and welcome back to The Late Comers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're not going to age at all. We're going to stay yeah. perfectly pristine and beautiful because we've sold our souls just like Dorian Gray. This week, we're talking about 1945's The Picture of Dorian Gray. But before we get started, how was your week? Hot. Yeah, what's up with that? very warm. There's it's a heat wave going June on yet. here. And it's frustrating. Yeah. You know, windows open at all hours and and dust blowing through the downstairs uh, security door. Yeah. And up the staircase, so you have to sweep the stairs and all. And yes. I've got your your medicinal ice pack and I'm hugging it to my body so that I don't pass out in here. Yeah. yeah. It's good. <laughs> we were going to do a three-hour record. We're not doing that today. We're breaking it up into smaller bits. Uh, hopefully it breaks after tomorrow. Supposed to. But this does not bode well for the summer. No, it Which doesn't. is forthcoming. <laughs> uh, alright. It might be a mild summer. It's happened before. I, it does not bode well that yeah. that is what is happening. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for rain. Because mm-hmm. it started raining early. In the, yeah, maybe it will be a mild summer. Like, I thought it was going to be a wet winter because it started so early and consistently and then right. dried the fuck up. Sorry, I'm mad about the lack of rain that we got this year and the lack of water in our reservoirs. It's um, There's so much to be mad about. Yeah, there's so much to be mad about. You should check out our show, Without Works, this week. We're mad about some things. <laughs> But let's. I wasn't mad about this movie. Were you no. mad about this movie? No, no. Actually, I was really. Uh, I made a comment offhandedly uh, a few weeks ago about how I was having trouble with this novel when I was attempting to read it. Listen to it. Oh, no, no. Read it. Originally. Oh, you were trying to read it. And then I wound up um, getting an audio version of it and listening to it with a good narrator. And he does a podcast, uh, Classic Ghost Stories. Oscar Wilde was primarily a, a poet and a playwright. And so the, it comes across much better as spoken to me. Yeah, I can see that. And so, yeah, when it's not being lost in these long descriptions of, of the contents of, um, of one of the characters' houses, it's uh, or the other house or the the filigree on the costume or things like that. He gets lost in those details a lot, but uh, it's really quotable and funny. Yeah, the uh, Char- Lord Watton, the is he is well. Yeah, let's get into this. So let's start with this one was made in 1945 or released in 1945, and it stars. George Sanders, Hurt Hatfield, Donna Reed, Angela Lansbury, Peter Lawford, and Lowell Gilmore. I know two of those names. Um, George Sans- Sanders is the Lord Watton that, mm-hmm. of which I spoke, and he is, uh, is he the devil? He is playing the part of the devil on one shoulder, and um, he is, he's... at the very least, the advocate for said devil. <laughs> and he, he makes uh, this point several times. Yes. And in the film version, there seems to be a genuine reaction at the climax about what he's done. Like, he literally looks at, oh, my God, what have I done? Yeah, right. Like, I, I, was, I was performing 
um, intellectual exercises. Right. You actually sold your goddamn soul to the devil. <laughs> like, like th- there's a difference between mm-hmm. thought and deed, but right. in this case, there is it. Which is really st- the, the book is it. Um, it starts with uh, Basil Howard, and he uh, Howard or Hayward. I think it's Howard. 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 He is a me. painter. Basil Howard. Howard, who is a painter. And he has painted a portrait which Lord Watton, who's George Saunders, and anybody who's known George Saunders' career knows how perfect he is for this part. This oh, was is like it Saunders. Is that how it's pronounced? There's no U in there, so I didn't know. I'm so sorry. But he uh, he was really um, yeah he was really perfectly cast for this film. Oh yeah, he's um, he's good at a villain. Uh-huh. He's good at a clipped tone. His 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 deep voice is very good at a a cutting remark which Oscar Wilde is good at writing right. so yeah he says some very like there the quotes in on the quote page didn't even have my favorite one right um but you know things like if I could get back my youth I'd do anything in the world except get up early take exercise and be respectable right exactly he's very much a rich man uh-huh He's very much a person who is um, uh, nihilist, he's, would you say? He's he's interesting in that he's intelligent enough to know that he's entitled, and he just runs with it. It's like, this is the privilege of my class, and yes, here I go. and my station and my money, right. and I can say whatever I want, and it amuses me to do so. Um, and it amuses everyone else, because he is very funny. I like persons better than principles, and persons with no principles <laughs> that is better than anything at all. Yes. He's very, yeah. Uh, and uh, in the middle, after a certain particular thing happens, he uh-huh. says some heinous shit, which we will get into. That was when I was like, oh, he went from being uh, like, like roguish or uh-huh. rakish to being fucking evil in the way that he talks about... Uh, the death of women, basically. But we'll we'll get there when we get there. But we start with, uh, yes, young Dorian Gray, 22-year-old Dorian Gray, being painted by Basil Hallward. And Hallward, in, um, in the book, there's a different relationship. The book that, the novella, rather, that was published originally, um, Basil Hallward is very obviously in love with Dorian Gray. Oh, interesting. And they don't really push that through. Right. You would believe that it may be true, right? Um, but that's what maybe what gives part part of the picture. It's the power that it has, right? Interesting. And so it's he, a very good portrait. We should right. say uh, this film is in black and white mostly because the first time that Dorian looks at the completed portrait, it is in color. Not only right. is it in color, but everything around it is in color. Like, the whole frame is in color, which is a very neat trick. Good job, 1945 directing. Oh, who did direct this? Albert Lewin. So, uh, the painting that we see at the beginning was painted by Enrique Medina. And it was sold at an MGM auction in 1970 when the contents of the studio were sold. Uh, And then in a Butterfield uh, 
Entertainment Memorabilia Auction, 1997, for $17,000. Now, I will say, uh-huh. he is supposed to be a beautiful young man. Perfect. I don't like the way this kid looks. <laughs> and that is that's, that's a gonna personal be... opinion, maybe. It may mm-hmm. be a time-related right. opinion. Um, also, he had... And I it, it it distracted me. I don't know if it was the fact that he had a stubble on his face and they put makeup over it uh-huh. or something. He had a texture on his face when they would show him show close up right. that was distracting in a way similar to in Prometheus when you know that that in a, under old age makeup is Guy Pierce, but you don't know why and you're trying to figure it out. Right. I was like, is something going on or am I noticing something that I shouldn't be noticing and I didn't know which and it turns out I was noticing something that I shouldn't have been noticing um my bad a lot of <laughs> a lot of this film depends on whether or not you buy Herd Hatfield's performance ah. I think this version of the story because there are others um there's another one that was done Dan Curtis who did Dark Shadows and and did the Kolshak films you know the, the TV series the Night Stalker and everything he uh, he did a version with Shane Bryant, who is a much more blonde and blue-eyed and very kind of pretty version of this character. Yeah, he's he's very austere looking, flawless, mm-hmm. but uninteresting. He, now, yeah. it, it, like I said, it may be a, a a cultural beauty standards of the moment thing, right? Um, and you told me, you know, he's basically losing his soul, right? right. So he becomes. Uh, almost inert. Right. And so if the performance is not to move your face, good job. That is uninteresting cinematically to me. So I, that's what I struggled with. I When he was on the screen, I was like, fuck this dude. Right. I'm not into it. I don't, I, I get it. He's not aging. Um, and he is a monster to those around him. Um, but not really, though. But maybe. Uh, but he ju- he seems deeply uninteresting to me. And yeah. maybe if I'd had the love of Basil to carry... So that I could see him through somebody else's eyes who did care for him, that might have done more for me. Because the two women that we see that do love him, right. to me... Neither of them love him because neither of them know who he Well, that's is. a lot of what... <laughs> so, Oscar Wilde, as we all know, is a very famous writer. He was a very famous Irish writer. He wrote a lot about... He, he wrote about um, things that would later on become uh, the kind of the end of the century literature. Uh, there's a lot of neat tips of the hat to him in this story. He... Uh, or in this film version. Yes. They quote him. Yes. They uh, show his favorite illustrator, Aubrey, um, Aubrey Beardsley, who had, uh, I even have some of his work, some of his non-erotic work, because some of it's pretty crazy. Uh, Adoration of the Phallus is one of his pictures. But, I mean, but the, uh, we all know that all of you men have nothing but, so... But, was uh, he also, a, was he a queer artist as well? I don't know. I don't... Think so. I know that he did several, but he was doing illustrations for both 
queer authors and authors that sort of fell into a a kind of a category of decadent. Okay. And there's okay. a lot of which I think is right. by default what queer authors often fall into, especially yeah. in the 1890s. Right. This this was published originally in 1890. Yeah. Um, which right when it started, I was like, it was made in 1945 as a contemporary, and you're like, no, and I'm like, oh right. He's in a handsome cab. That's not a thing that was and around in 1945. The 1890 version. That was a deeply stupid question. Uh, they were edited uh, to remove all the... There's Because the, the, the version that I heard read um, has uh, Halloward... Halloward? Halloward. Um, Basil. Just call him Basil. Basil or the artist. Giving... Uh, confessing his love of Dorian Gray oh. and how like this is what wakes me up in the morning is a chance to see him again and paint this painting. They, put he too does much into it. say that stuff right. at the beginning but it's not It's not drawn romantic. Out, it's but also, he definitely yeah. is like he is my muse. Right. For sure. That is how this opens. Okay. With um, Lord Watton going to visit Basil and Basil mm-hmm. going check this out. <laughs> check out this beautiful muse that I have. And he doesn't really want to introduce him to Lord Wadden because he also knows that Lord Wadden is Wadden to the core. He's yes. a man who who is going to corrupt him, and that's why he's trying to keep him yeah. away. And then it slips yeah. out his name. Because that's another thing is right. we we are we are to believe that at the beginning he is a pure right. soul, which at twenty two, as rich as he is. This is also, though, Victorian society. Yeah, I know. What what makes that? Right. You never got caught doing anything, so you must be pure. I mean, the what it, to me it seems like uh, Wilde is pushing back against um, uh, Ode to a Grecian Urn. Uh-huh. Did you ever read that one by John uh-huh, Keats? Of course, yeah. Beauty is truth, and truth is beauty. That is all you need to know. That is all you... You know on earth and all you need to know. Oh, yeah. And so he's like pushing back against that idea. Well, what if beauty inside is horribly corrupt and no one sees it because they're dazzled by beauty? Which I would argue is... I don't want to get into Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. but it is an Amber Heard situation. Right. Um, n- neither of them are innocent. I don't want to talk about it further. Um, but uh, people, beautiful people, get away with a lot rich, beautiful people get away with even more. Until they don't, what's up, Madison Cawthorn? I hear you're being investigated by the House Ethics Committee. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we start with Watton going to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorian basically makes a wish. He does, and, and it's because of Watton. Watton tells him, you know, you're he convinces Dorian that his value is in being young and beautiful. Yes. And then Dorian says, if only it was the picture who was to grow old and I remain young, there's nothing in the world I wouldn't give for that. Yes, I would give even my soul for it. And then he also says, was that the thing? Nope, I guess that is the quote. I thought he said something further about it would take, like, if he, if it, his shell could remain pure and the, he does this and the painting could get corrupted. 
he right. would give his soul for yeah. that. Like he says both of those things. And apparently, um, though it it's they kind of talk about it in the movie. It's not very clear. There's a cat statue. Is yes. it Bast? Is did he make a wish on Bast? Right. Is that what happened? So this is like Bast before Black Panther when Bast was well, cool. they, they never even say Bast. Right. No, they they just it's say just the what the Egyptian cat god. And, and I'm keep, like, that's Bast, though. They keep using it as like uh, a figure that we all draw around. At one point, he's leaning on it and he's terrified and it's giving him no comfort because it's it's made of stone and it's a cat. It's in the photo. or right. in the it's, it's painted into in the, the portrait. portrait, which so, is how the portrait is identified later. And it's funny because I don't remember in the book anything specifically saying how his wish became enacted into reality. But it's... He said it loud enough and in front right. of his cat statue enough that it just happened. But I think that this was the attempt to kind of create some kind of explanation because it just sort of happens. Yeah, um, no, it just sort of happens. Right. And he doesn't even really know that it's happened. Um, until... So, so he he is... Sybil Vane. <laughs> he meets Sybil Vane, who is lovely 19-year-old Angela Lansbury, a woman who was my grandmother when I was born. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like she was she was in Cabot Cove on when I was a child. Like I've known her as an old woman my whole life. This is the youngest I've ever seen her, right. which is a lie because I've seen Gaslight and we're gonna watch it again shortly. And right. she is about the same age. <laughs> that movie and this movie came out in in uh, 44 and 45. So right. and she was Bedknobs making and them all. Right. right, but she was old. She was a middle-aged woman right. in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. This is the youngest that I've ever seen her. And um, she sings a beautiful song. A song I don't love. But it's a theme, y'all. It's a theme. And um, and this is at this takes place at a sort of a low rent music hall. Yeah, at a music hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like not even a music hall. It's almost like a vaudeville type. Yeah. Place because there's a it's she sings, but the other there's the the xylophone right. puppeteers. There's like there's it, it's I, a bunch I actually of different really, like a like a variety right, show. Right. Interested in the uh, the the, the so volunteer. I, I mean, like, I, the the. Puppeteers with the xylophone. Yeah, they apparently because what you'll see in the film is that there's like a black curtain beneath their heads. So beneath their heads, head. so the the head is there, and then in front of the back curtain, black curtain, there's like a doll body, right. the legs of which are attached to the gloves of the performers right. who are playing xylophones. And there's two of them next to each other, and the playing of the xylophone makes these little puppets dance in a very Weird and disturbing way, way. yes. Um, But this is the time of Punch and Judy. We're also deeply fucked up. Right. So, you know, and this is adult performances, Uh right? This is a bar. Right. This isn't children's theater. (laughs) This is for adults. But she comes out and she sings and she's got a beautiful voice. And um, he stays after and plays a song. Which captivates her, and the prelude. It is a prelude, and then they kiss, and I was like, oh, "It's a prelude to a kiss." Okay. And now there's one other character who gets introduced here, 
which is, um, uh, let's see, uh, Sybil Vane's brother, James Vane. Oh, yes. And he's, well, not he, right here. Because well, he gets introduced because he sees them kiss. Oh, that's right. Right. The, both, the, his, her whole family sees them kiss. Right. And then um, her mother's he's like, who is that even? And she's right. like, nobody knows. That's the other thing is, Dorian's down here not telling anybody his name. Like they did. Um, I think Sybil ends up knowing his name, right? She calls him Sir Tristan, though. Yeah, that's, oh, that's right, just Sir Tristan. That's right. So he gives a fake name. And, and then she goes to his house, and there's a whole thing. So Dorian says he's in love with her. Mm-hmm. And Watton is like, don't do that. Like, you're going to waste the best years of your life on a woman. Don't do that. Just, you know, get that milk for free. And he he talks her, him, he, Watton talks Gray into a fucked up Madonna whore. Right. Um, sort of catch 22 that nobody can win, which is... When she comes to you, don't ask her to marry you. Mm-hmm. Tell her that you want to sleep with her instead, without the the bond, right. the, the the marriage um, bonds. If she stays, then you don't want her for a wife. If she leaves, all she wants you is for your money. So there's no way to win here. Like mm-hmm. you're not gonna come out the other end and this is with your love at this point because her. Um, Dorian has invited Basil and um, Lord Henry to see a performance of hers because he's captivated by her. And Lord Henry comes in late, of course, and he's fussing. But when he makes that pronouncement, you can see Basil's face turn like, oh, no, 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 this is, you've proposed wicked things that I always thought you were doing in jest. This is beyond That's that. real. And he's young, and he doesn't yeah. necessarily know that... He doesn't understand that... ...that you shouldn't listen to him. Because really, if Dorian wants to marry Sybil, which, uh-huh. as of right now, he does, Yeah. if he listens to Watton, he can't. The, n- neither way that she responds uh-huh. will get you to a place that's happy at the end. Right. Like, it's... So yeah. just don't. Just don't listen to him. Right? Um. So he does proposition her. She gets very sad, goes to leave. He sits down and plays, lures her back in. <laughs> With the piano playing. With the piano, the right. prelude. And she does stay the night. And then we see him writing a letter basically saying, you know, if you give yourself to me, I can't be happy with you. And so I'm never going to see you again. So he writes that letter. He he finishes the letter, puts it in an envelope, looks up at this painting, and the mouth has hardened, he yeah. says. And I'm like, I don't see it, but okay. <laughs> like, he's so milk toast that I don't see change. I see changes later, obviously. Oh, okay. later on, yes, but right here, rough. I'm like, I don't see right. it. Um, now, one thing I'd like to bring up is that, and maybe you can tell me if you thought this is more cruel, but it has less... Um, Maybe it was less dramatically weighty. In the book, she is actually she's performing at a rundown theater, but she does Shakespeare. Okay, so she's an actress, not a singer, right? Or both? Um, no, she's an, uh, an actress. And when he brings Lord Wadden to see her, she's so overcome with excitement at seeing him that she fumbles her lines. Oh no! And he writes her 
a card the, uh, the next day or letter saying, I can't marry you because your real beauty was your performance and you've spoiled that for me now. And it's but he just, doesn't have sex with her? No, he doesn't have sex with her. Because he has sex with her in this right, movie. In this version, he is very... We not, presume they don't right. show it's 1945. They don't show it, but... But yeah, when I read that, I'm like, and I saw the, the film version, I'm going, I don't know which one of those is more innately cruel. Just saying, you're no Honestly, longer worthy of me because you can't do the thing that I love you for, and now I you must. In 1880 or 1890, mm-hmm. it's more innately cruel to have sex with her because she mm-hmm. is now ruined. Right. In in the book, he hasn't ruined her. Right. She has prospects. It's fucked up. Right. But it's not literally life ending. Although <laughs> she ends her life, so uh, it turns right. out it is. So. How does that happen, though? Because does he send the letter and he's, then decide that he's going to write a new letter to say, never mind? He sends the letter and then Okay, because I thought he destroyed the letter, but that can't be right. He winds up um, re- sort of repenting of what he did. Like, what, what a horrible thing for me to do. Right. And, and, and now nobody's happy. Right. That's the other thing. He does realize, like, right. oh, well... This is shitty for everybody. Like, <laughs> Of course, he comes to that realization just as Lord Henry is coming, knocking on his door. It's yes. like, did you hear? She's, you know. She, yes. Did you? Yes. I think she's he done says, herself injury. <laughs> he says some other things, and she, but before he says that, and um, Dorian's like, oh, I've made a mistake. I've, I'm rectifying it right, right now. Everything's going to be fine. And um, Lord Henry's like, ooh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Everything's not going to be fine. She did kill herself. Oops. Right. Woof. Um, and then he gets real sad, but only for a very short period of time, because then Lord Henry does make him go out to um, a theater show. Yeah. Right? Box seats to be seen. Um, and to have dinner that night. When Basil comes right. to to see how he's doing after this aftermath, he finds out that he's gone to the theater. And he's like, "That's real fucked up." And then, basically, twenty years goes by. <laughs> right, and during this twenty years, he is is really what we've learned from the book. In the book, is that he's really sort of ex- just taking Lord Henry's advice to heart. Yeah. He is exploring every vice. He is going yes, through all sorts of issues. Yes, so some of Lord Henry's advice we should read. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There is only one way to get rid of temptation, and that is to yield to it. <laughs> no civilized man ever regrets a pleasure, and no uncivilized man ever knows what a pleasure is. Oh, this, here's here's a, here's an issue with Oliver or Oscar Wilde, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's an issue with Oscar Wilde. He, the misogyny is strong. The misogyny, and also in the book, there is a very... He does not like Americans. There's constant... No, yes, yeah. Um, uh, the, which doesn't really come into play here, because we It just, does kind of uh, later on. He, 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 one mentioned San Francisco as a place where right. if somebody's disappeared, it turns they always turn up in San Francisco, having been seen in San Francisco. Um... But he comes to a dinner party right. with mostly women in it and says, I'm analyzing women at present. 
The subject is less difficult than I was led to believe. Women represent the triumph triumph of the mat of matter over mind, just as men represent the triumph of mind over morals. He is gross, y'all. Um, it's so well. I choose written. my friends carefully. I always choose my friends for their good looks and my enemies for their good intellects. Man cannot be care- too careful in his choice of friends. Uh, yeah, so he is partaking of, we don't, you had to clarify this for me. Right. Um, he goes to a place, something hill, and um, disappears there for days. We see him at one point bring uh, two shots of whiskey to the piano player in this establishment, who is Sybil's old piano player, who is playing the song that Sybil sang as a little, what I'm going to presume to be Asian man, or at least supposed to be Asian man, opens a door and allows him to go upstairs to this, in this establishment. And you informed me Opium is what is happening right. here. This, so something we should mention though after Sibylvain is that this is when he takes his picture upstairs. Oh right, because he takes it to a room that is because he doesn't want anybody else to see. The he changes. doesn't want anybody to see this. It changes. He mm-hmm. thinks that if that because Basil at one point comes right. and says, "I want to look at my painting," and he's like, because he he says out loud, "What if right. Basil wants to come look at his painting?" Because it's his fucking painting, and. Uh, he does. He doesn't want him to see the changes. So he, yeah, he puts it upstairs in the <laughs> the set design is wild because it's the one door at the top of these two um, curved stairways up up to the second floor. Uh-huh. It's one door in the middle of that. Like you can see it all the time. It's locked, and uh, it's where he. Like, it was his room as a it was, child. It was like his nursery room yeah. slash where he was educated because he has his desk and his... His know, desk is there. I'm, I'm sure it was building his bedroom. Blocks, yeah, his, the weirdest building blocks. One of them is like... His rocking horse. It's like so all of his big. childhood. And, the, and I guess it's meant to represent that all the things from his more innocent days are shoved into are the shoved room. in here. And he puts that in there, puts a, a cover over it, and then starts firing his staff regularly. And we learn later on that he just goes just on cycles. Keeps him, yeah, as keeps soon as someone gets a, suspicious, you, get, you let him go. And he locks himself in that room like for six hours every night when he's home. Right. He's not, sometimes he's not home because sometimes he's on a, a big opium bender, it turns out. Um, and... Yeah, and so then time has passed. Mm -hmm. He's 40. He still looks 22. People talk behind his back all the time, like, what the fuck is going on? Because it's unnatural, and it's disconcerting. Yes, it's not like, oh, they've aged well. No, he hasn't aged at all. At all. And part of uh, something that we didn't mention when we talked about that opening scene is that Basil Hallward's niece. Oh, yeah. But that's she shows up and puts her little initial right. on the but painting. One of the ways that we're supposed to tell how long this time has passed is that she later shows up in the film played by Donna Reed. Played by Donna Reed. She's who would be what? How old? Sixteen? Oh no, no. I mean, no, no she would she would be like twenty six, twenty four, right. twenty twenty six. She'd be way too old actually. She should be actually younger. Because if she was six or whatever when that portrait was painted, portrait was painted, and eighteen years have gone by, 
24 is very old for her to not be married yet. Right. In, in the oh, I know, movies. and that's why they, they make a comment about it in the film, and the, the suggestion is that she's so in love with Dorian that she can't... She's admired him since she was a little girl. And Which so, is fucking wild. Because A... No, you haven't. Not since you were six. Maybe since you were 12. And you have noticed that he has not changed. You would be creeped the fuck out. Well, I'm sorry, you just would. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I don't know the six-year-old girl's mind. And I'm telling you a six-year-old doesn't fall in love, but a 14-year-old might, but or 12-year-old might, but you're going to be creeped out by this. Um, Is it right in here? At some point, we do see the updated portrait and it's ridiculous (laughs) it is a psychedelic monstrosity yes it's he's got weird curly like thinned hair boils all over his body's a totally different shape it looks like he's got tentacles either holding him or coming out of him in a way that we can't see it's 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 a lot. And that was painted by um, Alvin Le- Lorraine Albright. It's interesting. But um, and it's currently hanging in the Art Institute of Chicago, I guess. Oh, no thanks. Uh, yeah, but it is, it is really nightmarish and weird. And yes, it's kind of pustular and weird. And, and yeah, the colors are, as far as I can tell, the colors seem to be really off and awful. Yes. They were psychedelic, and they may have moved a little. There may have been some right. movement, but that might have just been the weird color story that it has. Um, and he stares at it, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, when he's in there, he's writing what he's doing down, and he's staring at it. And um, I don't remember... What the Basil comes over and he wants to see the painting. Dorian has said that it's been destroyed. It was destroyed, but he decides that he's going to do. He's going to kill Basil, but I can't remember why. He. What happens is that he runs into Basil on the street just by a complete accident. Oh, that's right. He was because coming home Basil from come, one of his binges or right. whatever. Yeah. Basil had come home early. Come to him earlier, saying, "I'd like to exhibit that painting." And he's like, well, you can't. And then he makes just... Yeah, like 20 years ago. Like right. right after Sylvie's thing, right right when it started to change, before he put it upstairs, Basil's like, I want to exhibit it. Let me look at it. And, right. and um, Dorian is like, if you look at it, we're never going to speak again. Yeah. Like, you will lose me as a friend. And to which Basil is like, very respectful. And is like, look, if that's your line in the sand, I'm not going to lose a friendship right. over it. Which is good friending, but also... Bad self-preservation, because right. here's the thing. If your friend is drawing that line in the sand, and it's more important to him that you not look at a piece of work that you did, that and that he would just toss your friendship over, yeah, it's not a good friend, Joe. <laughs> like, that's not a good friend. Basil has tried to be, he's the angel on the right shoulder. Yes. And he keeps trying to convince him, uh, Dorian to be good. He got him uh, to read The Light of Asia, which is a which is a biography or hagiography of uh, Buddha. Buddha, yeah. And there are a bunch of Buddha statues right. everywhere. And, then, and, and that actually happens in the book as well. He starts trying to plow through you know, religions and Taoism and Christianity and 
all sorts of things in an attempt to see if... To find some morality that he can Well, some sort of to. center where he can not do the things he does, but then he goes on doing them. Because he thinks, well, there's this other thing that takes up all of my sins, so yeah, why do yeah. I have to worry about it? But um, when Basil comes over, they have a discussion, and they're discussing, among other things, the fact that his niece is very fond of, yeah. of Dorian. And, and he's like, well, I would like... I mean, that would make me very happy in some level, but I just keep hearing these horrible stories about you. Right. So, you know, are they true? And, it, and Dorian's like, yeah, they're they're true. And he's like, but I can't see it. He says... Right, I look at you mm-hmm. and I see... Which is... That is... That, that truth is, is beauty, beauty is truth. But, That's but all you need to know. I just... <laughs> I, we've had a conversation not terribly long ago about my inability to stomach that. Right. Particularly um, pretty people doing charming things to get out of literally anything. Uh, I tutored ex-football players, or football players at Cal Poly to get them to be able to pass their writing requirement for graduating from college. And these are kids who were the most popular in their high school, were very popular in college, and they would try to like, oh, I know the rules. I'm just I'm breaking them or whatever. And I, da, da, da. and I'm like, no, you don't know the rules. Yeah. When you know the rules, and I'm satisfied you know the rules, then you can break them. Not now. Like I, yeah. this your little dimple grin is not going to get you anywhere with me. Like it just right. isn't. Um, when we're in a mentor mentee teacher. A student, um, uh, employer, right. trainee. If if I'm in charge of you and you're trying to pull that, I shut that shit down so fast. I have zero tolerance for it. I won't fire you, although I did fire somebody who fell into this particular. But it was because his writing sample was written um, by his girlfriend. Oof. Everything that he had written, he had submitted. Wow. That was written. It, we we figured out pretty quickly he did not have the capability to do that writing, which is fine. But it means you can't do this job because right. your girlfriend can't have this, you know, confidential information <laughs> to write up these discovery responses. It's not a thing that's going to happen. So, um, but but I don't. I'm not going to let you get away with it because you're pretty like that's not and i mm-hmm. and it's that doesn't really have any i pretty people would look at me and be like well that's because you're jealous and you couldn't do that maybe maybe a little bit but i'm gonna i'm gonna be a person that makes you have to work a modicum of like just do your fucking bare minimum right don't do nothing which is what you're used to doing and so that that's his whole thing, and it grosses me out. Well, he's a uh, he. I think that along with uh, Steerforth, who's the villain in um, David Copperfield, who's like this beautiful young man who just ruins people's lives because he walks through them with no thought of the consequences. He's a sociopath, right? And so, when the reader, the guy who's reading uh, classic ghost stories, when he's reading this, he has like a five minute. Uh, sometimes 10 minute long kind of rant at the end of each episode and he goes I 
when he got to the one with this uh, the section particularly following Sybil Vane and yeah. how he just dumps her like that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what to say. That is the most horrible thing I've yeah, heard. Yeah, no, it's That's, terrible. It's horrible, and he doesn't get any better. And the fact that just people look at him, mm-hmm. like they talk about him behind his back, but to his face, right. they can't believe that he's done evil because he looks the way he looks. Right. And I'm like, mm-mm. Because their whole notion was that, a- as it was for Howard, is that uh, the debauchery would show up in your face. Right, which is you know, when bullshit. You're, well, <laughs> Maybe I mean, that's the thing. I'm like, no, I've known very pretty, very debaucherous people. Right. If you've got money, first of all, right? Right. If you, especially now, right yeah. now, you can afford the Botox, the fillers, the nutritionist, the the you know, all of the it things was, that you require right. to keep your body beautiful, regardless of who and how you behave. And also, I'm a person who's like, ugliness is not God's punishment <laughs> for your bad behavior, and that is a thing that. We st- in society today, yeah. better looking people are thought to be better people, and that is bullshit. <laughs> and I guess, again, that's what the kind of attitude that Oscar Wilde was not fighting against. It doesn't no, but he was. Points, he was uh, right. spotlighting it. Right, he was. He was. He. I. I think it. he probably had a modicum of thought that that was true. Right. He was a person who liked beautiful things. Right. Um, most people like beautiful things. But beauty is not where worth comes from. Right. Or um, goodness comes from. And it just, it aggravates me. Well, that's the lack of faith um, that Basil has in Dorian's statements. Um, is what says, okay, if you don't believe that I'm capable of these things, I'll show you. And he takes him upstairs yes. and shows him the painting. But he knows that knowing that he's about to straight murder him because right. he knows that he can't believe. And he also knows that he gets the, the anger, the actual anger, because you can see him toiling with his, uh, fooling around with his knife. Oh, yes. He's, uh, there's a knife in the schoolroom. Right. Which is not a good place for a knife, but right. it, it's in there. He keeps pulling it out of the wooden desk and mm-hmm. then throwing it into the wooden desk in a really weird way that feels awkward for literally anyone. Right. I don't. It's very. It's a strange, like, uh, compulsion that he's got going on. But yeah, um, Basil, Basil sees the photo, the, right. the, and that is that the first time we see it too. Uh, no, we saw we it saw it before. Right. That's right. And then he sees it, and he's completely. They show the picture. To their credit, not so much. No, you only see it, I think, three times. I think so. Yeah. And not for longer than fifteen seconds at a stretch. No. Um, it is very memorable, but you won't pick up everything. And I wouldn't want to pause on it and look at all of the details. It's not... It's not pleasant. New. Um, but, yeah. So, mm. he, after Basil sees the picture, he basically is like, uh, I'm telling everyone, basically. Right? Well, he like, also he's says, like, I'm... the first thing he does is try to convert him 
He's like, okay, let's, oh, let's, let's pray our child praying. praying. Let's, 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 let's fight. Uh, our father needs the Pater He's Nostra. like, do you remember your prayers? And mm. uh, Dorian declines. And he's like, that's okay. I'll do it for both of us. And he starts praying. At which point, he's Dorian just... stabs him. Um, pro tip, if you don't want to go to hell, don't pray a stab. Or, or don't stab a praying <laughs> man. Don't stab a praying man. Don't pray a stabbing man. All of these things. <laughs> it was, yeah, that scene... It still has a, a power to it because it's done in silhouette or in shadow. Yeah, and he just keeps stabbing him like over and over right. and over like, again. Oh and then he God. says he looks at the painting and it's got like a red mm-hmm. sheen over it. Right. And I'm and like, oh, I hands. guess you weren't a murderer before. Right. <laughs> now you're a straight up. Now he did it. <laughs> um, he covers the thing and then he goes and blackmails an old friend, Alan Campbell. Basically, he's like, uh, I will destroy your life if you don't dispose of this body. Um, and Campbell does it because he mm. will destroy his life if he doesn't do this. And so he does do it. He does commit suicide. More blood on his hands. More blood on his hands. And at this point, uh, Howard's niece, Basil's niece, has come back. Mostly at full starting, time. I think, to look at it, look for her uncle. Because yes, she doesn't know, she doesn't where, know he where he is. is. And yeah. this is when when uh, when Watton says, yes. oh, he'll probably turn up in San Francisco. Everybody turns up in San Francisco. Um, which may also be a an homage to the fact that Basil was written as homosexual in the right. book. Because um, even then, I think, San Francisco was a place that... I don't really, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm predating the gay rights movement. Or the gay... The gay What's what I want? Diaspora to San Francisco. Um, and he starts this relationship with her, and she is pleased as punch, and her friend is less less pleased. <laughs> less pleased, but smart. His name is James Vane, right? No. James Lane's your brother. James Lane is um Sybil's brother. But um who is who is um Gladys's friend? Uh, let's see. What is his name? It's Peter Lawford. David Stone. David Stone. David Stone is like almost like her um her her ward almost. He he accompanies her on dates and things and would marry her in a heartbeat. She is uninterested in that for him. But he's like, well, even if you don't marry me, I'm going to do everything I can so you don't marry him because he's the fucking worst. Now, speaking of James Vane. Yes, that's the other thing that kind of happens he, um, in here. There is a moment where I, I think I turned to you. It's like, yeah, that, that's gangster, that move right there. What he did was awful, but it was smart for him. Yeah. is uh, Dorian is in his opium den. And there is a James Vane stops there. He's really angry. He's looking, he's talking to one of the girls there about his sister. Yeah. And how his sister was murdered and how he's going to find this man. And his name was, uh, you know, I think the book is called Prince Charming. I think it's here. It's Tristan. But, um, no, it's 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 Prince Charming. He is a Prince Charming, and then he hears him referred to as Sir Tristan when right. he goes up. I think up he goes up into the opium den or comes out of the opium de- opium den. Right. Um, because 
that's the other thing is we are to presume after he has caused the death of both Basil and Alan Campbell mm-hmm. that he is guilt stricken and goes to the opium dem to hide from his guilt. And and the guilt piece doesn't line up for me in this either. Um To, uh, um, I don't. I, I think maybe because until he, uh, other than causing <laughs> the death of Sybil, uh-huh. killing Basil, and causing the death of Alan, blackmailing Alan and uh-huh. causing him to kill himself. Um. The other, and we saw what Sybil did. It gave him a weird. Kink to his mouth. That's it. All of the other damage on this thing appears to be from doing drugs. That's all we ever hear that he has done. Well, there's is he spends time there. There's a a scene that it mentions, and by the way, this film has a a narrator, Mm -hmm. which is a really unusual touch. And I believe it's Cedric Hardwick. I'm not sure. I think I recognize the voice. But there's a scene where it describes how he was right before, I believe. He kills Basil mm-hmm. when there's all these rumors flying around that women will blush and turn away when he enters a room. Yeah. Oh, right. And that men will get like, you know, angry and there will be people who get up and leave a room when he that's, enters it. That's right. They do make a pretty strong indication that he is a uh, rapist. Right. Like a serial He could rapist. be. I, I think in... in um, because it's not even blush and turn away. Mm-hmm. They get violently ill. Like... Mm-hmm. It's not even like, oh, you yeah. know, I'm I'm embarrassed by him. I am struck dumb and have to leave because I am sick. The version <sighs> with... Uh, and that feels like a rapist. With Shane me. Bryant that Dan Curtis did actually kind of makes that explicit at one point in a way that's both horrible and... Mm-hmm. like. But still, respecting the conventions of the time in the seventies. But we just we just don't see it. So what we see right. mostly is that he's a drug addict, right? And to me, especially if you are a drug addict because you are guilty of prior indiscretions, mm-hmm. that's not putting a bigger stain on your soul, right? Now that's a subjective thing. Then who knows? But I don't like. Well, we can't that right. manner of judgment. But I don't like most of the manners of judgment in this book, so maybe that's just par for the course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if we're going to judge people on their beauty, and that's how worthy they are, I'm already out. And now you're telling me that the worst thing you can do is be an opium, a- opium addict? I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah, but that sounds like bullshit to me. The book suggests that there's a lot more that he gets by with. Like, that's in right. the book, he doesn't have a great deal of money. Oh, okay. And he gets by with blackmailing people. He has he a guardian by. in this at the beginning, and we mm-hmm. presume that he has a fair amount of money, or was left a fair amount of money. Um, I would think in a, in a today's version, he would be unscrupulous with that money and would have a, amassed a great fortune at right. the, the way that all billionaires do, at the slavery of others. But yeah, in the book, he he blackmails people. He yeah. you know has secret, he sells secrets, so... He's a very unscrupulous person. That's right. Um, so, um, as he is courting, wait, basically... The, the James Vane... I know. Thing. As yeah. he is courting Gladys, 
James Vane finds him and starts stalking him, basically. Right. Stalking him through the streets. Still doesn't know who he actually is, but stalks him out into the country on one of those weird... The thing that happened in the 1800s where a rich person would be like, I'm going to my house in the country. Would, why don't 20 of my friends come with me for the weekend and we'll have a sleepover? It's very strange, but a thing that happened regularly, as far as the literature would have us believe. And during a hunting party, um, one of the hunters fires in uh, into a, like a, a thicket mm -hmm. and a man is struck. And later, when they're talking about, talking to, I think, the gameskeeper, right. he's like, no, it wasn't one of my men, just some dude that looked like a sailor. It was James Vane. He had stalked him. And then we don't know why or how. Was it bad luck? Was it orchestrated by Dorian at some, I think in some it, way? It seems to be like Dorian's good luck and James mm. Vane's horrible, you know. It his, goes with this cat is protecting him in more ways well, than also one. Also the idea that James Vane is an alcoholic who yes. is possibly addicted to drugs as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to... He originally went down to the, the opium area right. not to not track to this dude. Not to go for... Yeah. He heard but, that. He, he got... Right. He, he was led into the den where Sir Tristan or Dorian right. was because they were playing Sylvie's song. And so he just followed that, the music there. The aforementioned gangster move, I, I thought, was when he... At, that night... Yeah. Gets Dorian by the scruff. He's like gonna kill him, and he goes, "I'm not the person you're looking for." It's like it's been twenty years. How old do I look? How old do I look? Yeah. And that's just like. That's and he's like, he realizes, like, comes back to his senses. He's like, "Oh, of course, I'm being ridiculous." Right. And then immediately somebody's like, "Oh yeah, that dude is forty some years." Old. Right. <laughs> and then he's like, "Dorian Which... Gray, I will shake my fist in the sky, and then I will get you. Except you won't." He'll be yeah. shot like a pheasant and die. Well, the, the guy who shot the pheasant, too, whoever that character actor is, he was just a perfect example of that kind of English gentry that we see in, the, in older films. Uh, I want that. I can't get that bird. I'm going to get that rabbit. It's like, why would you shoot a rabbit if you're aiming at a bird? This is why somebody died, because you decided you're going to shoot into a hedge to kill a rabbit, and you shot the man there laying in wait to kill the other man, so I don't know. So confusing. Um, and then at that point, after James Fane is killed, he basically tells Lord Henry, look, I'm going to straighten up and fly right. right. That's what I'm fixing to do. So then what he decides to do is actually, because he had said, I think, at dinner just before, I'd like to right. marry Gladys. And Gladys right. is like, I will. And David Stone is like, oh. No, no, no. <laughs> and so he's like, I can't. I'm going to destroy her if I continue with this. I need to, like, cloister myself away and not destroy this another person. So he sends her a letter. That says, um, not marrying you. It's totally fine. He looks at the picture and he sees, he says, a subtle improvement. I, I don't. There's a, like, there's a light in the eyes or something. And I'm like, no, but okay. He just is like, I'm not going to rely on this painting anymore. I'm going to take what I deserve. Right. And he picks up the knife, the same knife that he killed, um, 
Basil with, and he stabs. And this painting is the size of a man. It is right. a massive painting. It's a full-size portrait. Yeah, and he stabs him. It isn't really, though. It's mm. on the thing. He's probably five feet tall. It's like, oh, okay. you know what I mean? It's like right. like, a, like 90%. <laughs> um, he stabs it in the heart, at which point, oops, he did done stab himself in the heart. And he, he goes down, and then the painting drains, like all of the ick in the painting sort of drains from the painting to Dorian on the ground. Now, at the same time, David has said it was is bringing is he bringing Gladys and Lord Lutton? He's like, so while you all were in the well, he was in out hunting, you know, this weekend or whatever. I broke the fuck in, and that painting is deeply fucked up. Right, he has no idea what the context of the painting is. No, he doesn't. And they're like, um, they they say, was there a painting there? And he's like, I mean, there was, but it wasn't. It wasn't him. Him. And then they ask if... Yes, Gladys asks if there is it said a... Ba- he it says said Basil, Basil painted right. it, because he signed it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look anything like Dorian Gray. And she says, is there a little G underneath right. um, my uncle's signature? Because the very first scene, she paints a little G, or right. he paints a little G under the signature. Um, to, because she's helped him so much with the painting at at six or whatever. And she's like, mm, that's why he is not aged. There's a magic. A magic afoot. And they all burst into the schoolroom as he is on the floor, deceased and rotted. He's got boils. Purulent. His eyes are bugged out of his head. His hair is like... Um, Sort of like a Bozo the Clown wig. Right. It's very uh, sparse and like sticky outy in a in a very strange way. And the portrait has resolved itself back to its original right. form. And that's the movie. With a hole in it. With a hole in it. That's right. Where the heart goes. Yeah. I think he always had a hole where his heart went. Well, maybe. And uh, was it thrilling? I don't know if I would call this thrilling. I don't know that I would call it thrilling either. I enjoyed it. I didn't agree with the premises. But that's not the movie's fault. I think it was a fine thing to adapt. Right. And this is a prestige adaptation. There's that. I I like it because there's been others that have not been of this book. Um, There was like a Euro sleazy 70s. Well, not sleazy. It was just very kind of... Uh, I also just so when you look at this thing, okay. Dorian Gray. Like if you look at the characters, mm-hmm. Dorian Gray, a handsome narcissistic young man, enthralled by Lord Henry's new hedonism. So that's what that's what Henry is. Henry Watton is um, right. hedonist uh, proposing, mm-hmm. but I think he's also doing it as a thought. Ex- like I said, a thought right. experiment. Yes, he probably indulges. No, he probably doesn't indulge in. Fucking everything all the time. No, 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 no. But then the second sentence of this is, he indulges in every pleasure and virtually every sin studying its effect upon him, right? So that's why he mm-hmm. does a thing, comes back, sees how the portrait has changed, and writes, writes it down. down. I want to read that. Yeah. Like, I would kind of like to read a 
um, what's the word? An epistolary Mm -hmm. of his journal. Is that in? Is any of that in the book? No. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's way more interesting to me. Though I do like Lord One's uh, bomb moss. Well, the thing (laughs) is, I think that considering that five hundred words had to be pulled from the original because of the oh, maybe it's a time and a place thing. Right. It's like so. Hey, uh, maybe I should write an epistolary novel Mm -hmm. (laughs) of Dorian's. Journal. Right. How it how each of these debaucheries contributed to his death. contributed to whatever had happened to the painting. And then also his reflection on just because something is a sin mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it is enjoyable right. or fun or brings you anything. Um typically they leave you emptier than you were before. You'd think you'd learn after doing all of them not to do them all Where the time anymore. Where would you anymore. place him? Where would I place him? What do you mean? In terms of being... I mean, if you could... Is he a sociopath? I mean, he's a narcissist, obviously, because he's... I mean, that's one thing that we can't dispute because he really is so terrified of growing older. Sure, but... change that he I, has to stay That isn't even... That isn't... He is a classical narcissist. He is not a psychological narcissist. Mm-hmm. He is fond of his own visage, but not that. I mean, narcissists, right, drowned looking at his right. own image in in a pool, right? Dorian explicitly stares at a corrupted, vile version of his beautiful self mm-hmm. for hours on end. That doesn't scream narcissism to me. Okay. Um, what would scream narcissism to me is if he had that and then in front of it, the, the painting, and in front of it, what he was actually looking at was a big mirror to reinforce right. that over and over again. So because he's not doing that, narcissist is not it. He's cursed, so it's hard to say right. what psychological things he may have suffered from. Um naivete to believe that um, a philosophy like hedonism could be actually lived in the real world. Right? Right. Instead of as a thought practice and a part-time you know, like radical honesty is not really um, practical (laughs) in a lot of cases. This is not, it's not a practical way to live your life. Um, And he doesn't seem to ever learn that. And maybe because much of his life is spent in an opium haze. (laughs) I, um, there's a a very interesting uh, response to his book, uh, Wilde's book. Um, And I think that covers the reason why he wouldn't go into more detail. It says that a Wilde's novel contains one element which will taint every young mind that comes in contact with it. What is that? Didn't say. Is it the idea that you could achieve ageless beauty? I don't... Because I don't... That's, that is... That is deeply uninteresting to me. And there was a, another... Like, that is not a temptation to right. me. 
like to have forever look like I looked when I was 20. Why? For what? Hmm. That that's that's uninteresting to me. Now, granted, I wasn't a beautiful 20-year-old, so maybe that's the issue. Maybe I just um this this is for a big bucket of folks and I'm not in that bucket. I don't know. I think that I would like to have the resilience I had at 20. Resilience, absolutely. I don't want anything else from 20. So. I yeah, no. But um the other uh let's see. Um Sorry. Okay, the uh, Irish Times said the picture of Dorian Gray first published to some scandal and called it a certain, said it had a certain notoriety for being mawkish and nauseous, unclean, effeminate, and contaminating. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. There's, there's hints in the book, and they also carry over into the film, where he read, uh, a French novel that was supposed to, and I can't pronounce the author's name, Hoysens? It's fine. Um, a French novel that was supposed to have a really terrible corrupting influence. Okay. And, and they... The French. The French. Was it by the Marquis? No. Because I'm pretty sure his works had a terrible corrupting it influence, is, I hear. Uh, Jory... Makes me want to watch Quills. Oh, I see. Horrible? Yeah. Yeah. And it is a very strange novel. Um, it ends with, I think, both characters committing suicide when they realize that they've already lived through everything they want to live through in life and everything else is going to be sort of a draw, or just sort of a drawn out anticlimax. Um, and of course, that created all sorts of scandal. And this is, in a way, a sort of a suicide that he commits. I don't know if he was aware sure, of it. I don't think he was. It doesn't seem like he was aware of it. Uh -huh. I think he was like, now. In my, that's the other thing. I wish more time had passed. I understand that he hadn't changed in 20 mm -hmm. years. 60 feels better. Right. Because I know, I, Rob Lowe is 58 years old, and that mm -hmm. motherfucker don't look 58. See also, you know, Angela Bassett. Right. Like, C Cicely Tyson. Like, there are people who are fucking Michael Dorn. Right. Uh, older than 50. And look younger than 30. That is a thing. Um, once again, money and uh, genes have a lot to do with it. Uh, but um, I would have liked more time to have passed. I understand with Gladys being of age at that point, it, it took him half his life to get to the point where he didn't want to age anymore and the other half of his life to be like, okay, I'll age now. Right. Right. And then, I guess it's it's a little bit of a, a be be careful, like oh, it's literally that. But but I mean, but specific, not 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 be careful what you wish for or anything mm -hmm. like that. That's not what I mean. Because yes, that is on its face what it is. When you've committed a lot of wrongs, and I think that this is, um, I I feel like addicts would find this especially true, right? Trying to atone for everything all at once is fruitless and may kill you. Right. Right? You have, you can't, you, you can atone for wrongs as you do them. Or, you know, you can wait a little bit of time. But at some point it's like, 
we got to burn this whole shit down because there's no way. I can't mm. apologize to every single person I've ever met 16 times today. Like, I'll die. You, you you can't do it. Um, So doing it all at once, which is what he was trying to do, right? He's like, give it all to me now. Stab, stab. Right. Also, stabbing it in the heart was a little... I would have maybe gone across the face. I mean, if if that's where mm. the corruption is showing itself, across the face. But he didn't want to hurt his face because he is vain. He's not going to vain, but not own. narcissistic. Right. I think that's where we're. I think mm. vain, but not narcissistic, is where I would fall for him. But um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. I don't know how they mean thrilling. Yes, in this thrills. Respect. I mean that music ding when you see those the the picture yes is something but also I mean I've seen Event Horizon you're not gonna show me a painting that's gonna really get under my mm-hmm. skin in 1945 that might have scared the shit out of me if I mm-hmm. saw it in a theater I would have been probably very upset in blazing color no less right especially since the whole thing isn't stayed black and white until mm-hmm. you see these things. Um, and it's a neat trick even now, right. but I think what I think it's hampered by sixty, seventy, eighty years, yeah. almost eighty years, right? That's what we're looking at. God, over seventy-five years. See, I, and that that I can't blame the movie for. <laughs> what I like about the film is that it takes the the business of adapting this book very seriously. Sure. And so, aside from Sybil Vane's career, and then later on with with Gladys, who's not really in the book. Oh no, uh, that's that. That's who I. Okay, gotcha. Um, it it creates a kind of a truncated, but a, it keeps the story moving along, and you get a. Sense it does, of, but I just don't feel like I see enough. Well, debauchery. The, I think the issue is there was it was when the film was made. Oh right. Also, that's right. It's nineteen forty-five. Right, and the because um, it'd be. Heinous now. Right. There'd be on screen rape. Like it would be it'd be hard to watch and maybe I don't want that. Well the um the Dan Curtis version, as I was telling you, at one point he pays coin to this man, walks upstairs, and takes off his his uh, cloak, and he turns around and there's what looks like a thirteen year old girl strapped to a bed. And then it goes to black. And right. that's yep. all that it feels needs right. to tell you. It's, yep. like, oh, it's that kind of thing. Right. If he's yeah. Doing everything that's possible in Victorian London, horrible things were possible. And in the book, there's a constant suggestion. Somebody makes a comment about why are all your friends young men? Why are they afraid to talk to you now? Why don't you? It's like I think that that the the Dorian Gray in the book. So he is a rapist of men and women. It sounds like. Well, maybe. he's he's something, and he's doing all of the. Right. Well, he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, right, because. Because everybody trusts him because of his baby face, which I don't understand. You got a baby face? I don't trust you. Right. Because you've gotten away with stuff. You know you can get away with stuff. And so I do not trust that you're not trying to get away with stuff. Yeah. I I like the the sentiment he expressed. I like the film. I don't know if I would call it thrilling, at least when we're looking at in the same category as like speed. Or something. It's like I'm not sure. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a ride. Mm-mm. I mean, it goes at a clip. Right. Things happen regularly, but yeah, and it's deeply misogynistic. The way the women in this are short shrifted, hard, and the things said about women 
in Oscar Wilde's own voice right. are rough. So that's another piece where it's like, ooh. But, yeah. 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 All right. You want to talk about June? Okay, what's in June? Let's talk about June. We've got five movies coming up in June. Uh, they range between 1925 and 1982. Ooh. So, big stretch. You thought we watched an old movie to this time. 80 was a lot. I'm about to give you a 100-year-old movie. So, we're going to start with 1931's Dracula. Okay. We're going to go to 1982's Poltergeist. Oh. Which is one of my favorite portrayals of a married couple in film. Okay. I will talk about it, but they seem like a natural, real, lived-in couple. That scene where she's smoking a joint before they have sex, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> like, this is like real-ass people here. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, then we're going to 1925, and that would be the Phantom of the Opera. Uh, then 1951's The Day the Earth Stood Still, which we is often compared to The Thing from Another World, right. which we watched last week. And finally, 1976, Damien, it's all for you. The Omen, which is a film I've never seen. I've just given you everything I know about it. I have only ever seen Poltergeist mm. next month. So I am late to all of these other ones. Uh, is it the Bela Lugosi Dracula? Is that it's the nineteen thirty one? So we get a lot of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> actually, he does a lot less of that than you would think. No, yeah, we we are getting caricatures of that. So, right, yeah. it's just like Boris Karloff's lisp. Yeah, his lisp. He struggled very hard with it uh-huh. in English um, when he's speaking. Oh, because it's not as um, well, prevalent he, in his native tongue. He's a he's an odd. Per, uh, he's part Indian. Okay, and I don't know if he spoke. Hindi or whatever the language was uh, that his uh, his mother spoke, but uh, it's very obvious when you're watching a color film. Like I was watching The Sorcerers the other day, how dark he is. It's like, oh, I understand completely now. Yeah. Um, but he he did uh, he did work very hard to cover this list, but it came out more when he got older. Mm-hmm. And then when people do, when he had a stutter, whoop, Boris Karloff, they do the lisp, which is funny when he. They do. That is true, but I don't think of it as a lisp. That's what it is. Right. But it's just Boris Karloff's voice. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't think about it as being an impediment on top of an accent, which is what it is. Yeah. It's just what he sounds like. And if you, uh, if well, um, the old dark house. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein. These were all roles in the very beginning where he didn't have to speak much, right? So, and he had several like yeah. that. And it wasn't until he started working with Val Luton where he got these big, long passages of dialogue, and he really—I uh, mean, if anybody hasn't seen *The Body Snatcher*, uh, which is one of Val Luton's films, he's amazing in it. Okay. And he's and he. I think Boris Carlo. I mean. I think that uh, Bella Lugosi is in that one too. But we're gonna just refer to him as Bella Lugosi because I don't have, I don't know that I will be able to ever pronounce his Hungarian name. Oh. So we're just gonna go by his uh, 
his professional title. <laughs> um, so I'm going to put up a uh, thing on the website or on Facebook that will show what we're doing in June. Okay. But those are the June movies. Um, in the meantime, do you have anything you want to recommend that isn't Dracula from 1931? I, I went and had a theater experience recently. And it was really fun because we went to the theater and we sat there and right as we were going through the Tom Cruise uh, <sighs> trailer. The Top Gun. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a trailer. It was like, it was like, like 10 a minutes of a new movie. Or yeah, something. right. Right. Cool. And um, there was a fire alarm in the theater. Somebody pulled a fire alarm. The police, I mean, the fire people had to come. And we all had to wait outside, so we got into the movie later than we thought. Yeah, we did. But it was a really kind of entertaining movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I feel bad. You're going to say what it is? Uh, this is Doctor <laughs> Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. There you go. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting watching them get a director like Sam Raimi to come in and handle the chores on this one. Indeed. Because sometimes the films are will be too much alike. They're kind of a very slickly wrapped product. But then, the Marvel films specifically. Right. right. And, but this, uh, Sam Raimi, is kind of one of those wild guys. And yes, there are moments in here which are just big budget kind of takes on some of the stuff he did when he had a small budget. Uh and there's really, there's horrifying moments. There's moments in here that are genuinely like, oh my God, what's that? There's, um, there's, Bruce Campbell is in the film at one point. At one point. Slapping well, himself silly. Yes. Uh, exactly like he did in The Evil Dead when his hand got possessed and he just kept punching himself in the he face. Did. So there's a lot of like references to Sam Raimi's work, a lot of references to other characters in the Marvel universe that hadn't showed up yet. And I think we're far enough along where it's not a spoiler to say that you get to see some of the the characters that you never thought you would see in the MCU now in the MCU. So, yeah, based on that and the uh, the climax with all these sort of zombie characters and a cloak of darkness, it was really fun. It was very much like reading the comic books when I was a kid. Yeah, and it had Sam Raimi tropes like, uh, you know, an evil book. Maybe you have to kill your girlfriend. All that, the usual Sam Raimi thing. Right, and the character, um, the villain was a surprise to me. Yeah, I didn't know that's who the villain was going to be. And I have thoughts and feelings that I will discuss about that, that movie when it's not so new. Okay. Like, I don't want spoilers. Right. Um, but I had issues with said villain and said storyline. <laughs> right, so uh, but I enjoyed the watch of the movie. The movie is right. very entertaining and very cool to look at, for sure. Yes, it was. It, it mixed all the stuff they'd been working with, with the kaleidoscope effects and things like that, and then added this different kind of Raimi layer, where there are talking, talking animals. That's one of the other things that he seems to yeah. have a focus on, or people being dragged out of frame, which is another thing that happens a lot in his movies. And yeah. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff that... Some of them, he invented some of that. Um, yes. And uh, and he really did pioneer the superhero film, the DC with superhero the, with, film, with, with his the, Spider-Man movies. With Co- Let's Marvel. Yeah. 
superhero film, I said, right? Yeah, I thought you said DC superhero. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, super. Yes, with Spider Man, the um, the Toby, Toby Maguire, and before Spider Man, not Superman. I said Superman. Before that, there was uh, Dark Man. He even did as a superhero film. Yes, which is a superhero horror film. Um, Crosses. And if you're interested in Raimi right now, Blank Check, uh, the podcast Blank Check is doing his filmography. It's Mm -hmm. very good. Um, I've seen almost no Sam Raimi films. Wow. Uh, I've never seen any of the Evil Dead movies specifically. I have seen Darkman. I've also seen, um, what did they just do? The Gift, right. which is a movie that I actually really enjoyed. Not the Jason Bateman Gift. Which is a good movie, too. Which is also a good movie. The weird Kate Blanchett, Keanu Reeves, right. Giovanni Ribisi. Um, is it Kinnear? Greg Kinnear? Uh, and Katie Holmes. Right. Um, but I liked that movie when it came out, I remember. And then um, Drag Me to Hell is the other right. major one of his that I saw, which, woo, that movie. Oh, yeah. And watch through the lens of somebody, like, uh, as an eating disorder, as a statement on eating disorders, it's... Uh, it's very, ooh. yeah, he's not he's not one-dimensional. Not for emetophobes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not one-dimensional, <laughs> so he's constantly working on these different levels with the stuff. Yeah, because he did that weird Kevin Costner movie, yeah. and like, yeah, no, he's had a very and a simple plan, right? And a simple plan, right. yeah, which I have not heard the thing for yet, so I don't even know anything about it. But he he came up with the Coens, mm-hmm. like they all lived together, right? So and they worked on each other's films and things. Uh, yeah. But his career is really interesting. Also, he wears a suit and tie on the set. It, he didn't always. I don't think in the Evil Dead he did because he was still just working with his buddies or whatever. But um, yeah, he wears a suit and tie. It's very funny. That's very old school because yeah. you'll see pictures of like Cecil B. DeMille or Alfred Hitchcock or you know these guys or who's it who used to wear jodhpurs on the set? It's like I could see David Lean or something like right. that. Oh, I could that. see that or Otto Preminger actually carried like a writing crop at some point. I'm gonna need you to put the whip away, sir. That's but, not going to be acceptable but, here. Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, that's kind of old school. It's funny. Huh. Okay, so what's your movie? It's not or a movie. Something. My something. My something is a television series on Netflix. Sorry, everybody, but I binged it in two days, and I really, really liked it. It's The Lincoln Lawyer. Okay. I like the movie, The Lincoln Lawyer. It's one of several... Matthew McConaughey is a sweaty lawyer movies. Hmm. I like all of them. Why is he always sweating? Uh, well, well, largely it's because he's in the South, but um, yeah, he's less sweaty in this one. Okay. I'm really thinking of a time to kill, a time to kill, but you know, I'm gonna go ahead and clump all of his uh, lawyer roles as to, into sweaty lawyer roles. And um, this does not have Matthew McConaughey in it. It is a ten episode series that follows. I don't know if it follows one of the books, the Michael Connelly books, which I thought it was Grisham, but it's not. It's Michael Connelly series of books, which is great. So hopefully, like Bosch, they do multiple seasons of this. It's um, He's been out of practice for a year uh, due to uh, ha- losing a case and getting an innocent man locked up. Mm-hmm. Feeling bad about that and having a surfing accident that had that that ended badly and had him go through several surgeries, 
wherein then he got hooked on pills. So he has come out of that. He is not hooked on pills anymore. Um, but he doesn't really, his head practice is barely hanging on. It, his practice is run by Lorna. That comes up as second wife on his phone. They're not together anymore, though. And uh, he's got a daughter with his first wife. That's what it says on his phone. First wife, Nev Campbell, plays her. She's fucking great in this. I was like, hey, you're not doing screaming. You're so good. Um, and she's a prosecutor. And uh, he gets called to judges' chambers one day, and um, an attorney had, has been murdered and has willed or left via motion his entire practice to Mickey. He doesn't know why. And so it's figuring mm-hmm. that stuff out. And then he's inherited a tech, uh, tech magnets uh, been accused of killing his wife and her lover. Uh, and that trial is like next week, y'all. It's next week. So there's a lot of, you know, mm. sh- short, very protracted legal things. But I love a courtroom drama and this was really fun. I had a work project last week that involved uh, sorting numerically thousands of pieces of paper, which is a thing that takes a long time and requires zero brain power so i put it on while i was doing that and i just blazed through it it was super fun and i really liked it i Uh, wonder i wonder neve campbell if and i think it's the same discussion discussion we had with about dr strange which is like you cast an actress above what you need and see what she brings to the part maybe but also what has she been doing lately I mean, it's possible, honestly, you guys, it is possible she's been on a show on a thing that I don't know about mm-hmm. for 10 years. I have no idea. I know that she comes out in these screen movies every once in a while, which I have not also not been keeping up with. Um, and I've always liked her as an actress, but I never thought that she really got, like, she didn't get to do what Jessica Biel kind of got to do, really. She got the screen movies, and that's it. That's a wrap. Um, but she is great in this. She looks fantastic. Her acting is so good. She she plays um, righteously angry very well. Mm-hmm. Her her chemistry with the guy that plays Mickey Holler is very good. Um, I'm like, yep, they seem like people who had a ch- child and then couldn't mm-hmm. fucking make it, you know, pull together. And like, uh, you know, he his his practice, like I said, is run by his second wife who's his ex also there he is not currently married and both of them know she was his rebound shouldn't have married her he is not over his first wife he makes no bones about the fact that he's not over his first wife and they've got a you know a 14 or 16 year old daughter together um i don't know if the character in the book is latin uh, in this, he's uh, half Latin and half white. His father was white and a big shot attor- uh, defense attorney like he is uh, in L.A. And his mom took him to live in Mexico City when his parents split up, except for summers. So he speaks Spanish throughout mm-hmm. the thing. They all kind of speak Spanish. There's a lot of... Where's um, it located again? L.A. LA. Los Angeles, yeah. Um and yeah, he, he, his whole thing is he gets more work done in the car. Like he, he hires a driver and he 
the forward motion mo- momentum of driving and going through and thinking is how he figures things right. out, right? Uh, and I just I like a legal I like a legal drama, y'all, and it was really fun. Good. Yeah. So Lincoln Lawyer Netflix. Two thumbs up. Hope they do a second season. <laughs> but who knows? All right. Next week it's the Dracula. Dracula. I believe the movie is an hour and 18 minutes. We are going to have to buy it. Or rent it. Um, It is not available for streaming anywhere. Uh, It might be on YouTube. We may end up watching it on YouTube. Typically, if a movie is less than 80 minutes, you can find it on YouTube. Also, if it's almost 100 years old, um, you can find it on YouTube. So we'll probably search there first. Otherwise, it's going to be like a $3 rental. Uh, if you have questions or comments or concerns, in the meantime, you can reach out and uh, email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com, or you could find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or searching Facebook for Latecomers Podcast. I would like to remind you to take your medicine every day, and we would like to remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never.